Welcome to the Immortal Souls Podcast, where we explore the history, stories, myths, legends, and hype that make shoes what they are today. We are Jared and Nick, two brothers with a passion for shoes. We are excited to have you along for the journey. In today's show, we're going to be focusing on the origins of shoes and how they have evolved over time to become the staple of modern day living that they are. Let's take a trip back 40,000 years to prehistoric times. The later Stone Age, or the Upper Paleolithic period, spanned from around 40,000 to 10,000 years ago. During this time, modern humans, or Homo sapiens, are thought to have largely replaced Neanderthals. People used sophisticated blade-based stone tools and created artistic engravings, petroglyphs, and paintings in caves. As far as living arrangements went, caves were ditched in favor of dugouts, mammoth bone huts, and other house-like structures. Around this time, artifacts and other evidence show early modern humans set foot in parts of Australia, Europe, the Middle East, and also Asia. From aboriginal stone tools to cave art to musical instruments, humankind was developing the underpinnings of culture and civilization. As far as we know, agriculture was not yet in the picture, so people were hunter-gatherers. And just try to imagine what a hunt must have been like during that time. Humans would have been armed with simple spears, maybe other tools, hunting or competing with the likes of giant creatures such as mammoths, mastodons, dire wolves, and saber-toothed tigers, all of which roamed the earth during this time. It's pretty hard to imagine navigating some of that rough terrain our early ancestors must have dealt with without any sort of foot protection, especially during a hunt. From sharp rocks to thorny plants, it seems reasonable that these early hunter-gatherers felt the need to protect their feet. And while we don't have any hard evidence of footwear dating back to this time, scientists theorize that the need arose to protect the feet, as shown in studies on foot bones from skeletons dating back to this time. These bones, found at the Tianwan One cave site in Fengshan County, China, showed evidence of weakened small toe bones, particularly narrow middle toes, compared to the, quote, fairly robust lower limbs which suggests that the toes were being protected from the force and shock produced by walking on the ground. Now, let's move from this sort of theoretical evidence, or circumstantial evidence, if you will, to more hard evidence. So, let's focus on pictorial evidence of shoes. So, the first pictorial evidence of shoes dates back to cave art, from around 15,000 years ago to the Altamira Cave in Spain. These paintings depict hunters wearing animal skin boots. While this is compelling evidence of footwear being worn during this time period, there are no known actual artifacts dating back to that time. It's important to note that we can't trace the history of shoes back to one original shoe or one geographical area. Depending on the regions, the terrain, and the climate, 
different areas required different forms of footwear. So people in warmer climates might wear rudimentary palm leaf sandals, while those in colder areas might, understandably, wrap their feet and legs in animal fur and animal skins to keep themselves warm. Furthermore, dating of artifacts, as we all know, is not an exact science. And there is a margin of error as to how old a particular artifact might actually be. With this said, however, let's discuss a few of the notable examples of the earliest shoe artifacts that have been found. So, first off are the earliest known shoes, which would be the Fort Rock sandals. So I guess the Fort Rock sandals were actually sagebrush bark sandals, which date back to around 9,300 to 10,500 years ago. These sandals were discovered in 1938, and they were found in the Fort Rock Cave, which is in Oregon. And it's a small volcanic butte. And these sandals were twined with a flat, closed twine sole. The archaeologist Luther Cressman found dozens of these sandals below a layer of volcanic ash, thought to have come from a volcanic eruption dating back about 7,500 years ago. And these sandals have actually been found, or similar sandals have been found in several excavated caves in the same area, including in the Cougar Mountain and the Catlow Caves areas. So now we are going to transition from the earliest known footwear, if you will, to the earliest known or the earliest found, shall we say, closed-toed shoes. And that honor belongs to Otzi the Iceman. The 5,300-year-old Otzi the Iceman mummy was discovered in the Otsal Valley Alps on the border of Switzerland and Italy in 1991. His frozen body, along with his clothing and tools, were remarkably well-preserved, considering how old he is dated to be. Otzi is Europe's oldest preserved mummy, and along with his clothing and tools, he was wearing well-preserved shoes. Otzi's shoes, which were more akin to boots, were made of several layers. The soles were made of bear skin with the fur on the inside. The inner layer had string netting made from tree bark and was stitched to the sole, and it was stuffed with hay. The outer layer was made from deer hide and was stitched onto the sole and the shoes were tied onto the foot with string. What's really cool about Otzi's shoes is that they've actually been recreated. And in so doing, it's been these shoes have been shown to be remarkably warm and actually quite comfortable on long mountain hikes and even in below freezing temperatures. So as an illustration of this, there is a Czech academic by the name of, excuse me if I pronounce this incorrectly, but uh, Peter Lavacek. So Lavacek, what he did is he painstakingly recreated Otzi's shoes. And to do this, he stuck as close as possible to both the materials and the methods used to make the shoes. Lavacek commented that the shoes, while maybe not the most sleek looking footwear, they felt like walking barefoot, but only better. In fact, according to Backpacker Magazine, Lavacek took a 12-mile mountainous hike in the same area Otzi was found, and while doing this, he wore no socks, and he did it in below freezing temperatures of around 21 degrees Fahrenheit. 
What's remarkable is overall, he commented that his feet stayed warm, dry, and even blister-free. With the grass stuffed in the shoe, both insulating and also wicking away moisture from the foot. Czech climber Vaclav Patek, who was also along for the hike, claimed that the Otzi recreated shoes were more comfortable than any shoes he had worn. Okay, so we've kind of gone through, you know, the earliest known footwear and then on to Otzi shoes, which were the closed toed. Um, you know, the first known example of a closed-toed shoe. And next, moving forward a little bit in time, we're going to talk briefly about the earliest known leather shoes. And these are the Arani One shoes. And uh, again, these are the earliest known leather shoes, and they were discovered in 2008 in the Arani One cave complex in Armenia, hence the name Arani One Shoe. And this shoe was believed to be tailored for a right foot. And it's believed to date back around, you know, about 3,500 BC, which would have been during the Copper Age. The Arani One shoes resembled moccasins in appearance, and they're made from a single piece of cowhide, and there's a leather cord lacing the seams at the front and at the back of the shoe. Now, the leather for the shoe was cut into two layers, and it was tanned, and tanning was possibly a new technology for that time of the Copper Age. The shoes were also, or the shoe was found stuffed with grass, possibly as an insulator of sorts, uh, much like the Otzi's shoes. And the the shoe was very well preserved. It had been sealed from the elements for thousands of years, as it was covered in layers of sheep dung. It was about the size of what today would be a women's size 7, but no one's really sure. It's virtually impossible to know if the shoe belonged to a man or a woman. But there is speculation as to why the shoe was made. And it's not a stretch of the imagination to assume, first and foremost, it was to protect the feet, especially as the terrain around the cave has been shown to be quite rugged with many sharp rocks and prickly bushes. But other people have also theorized the shoes could have been worn for style purposes and also as some part of a tribal outfit, distinguishing the wearer of the shoe from either other tribal groups or from other members even of their own tribe. Okay, so we can't possibly talk about the history of shoes without pausing a moment to talk about sandals and how they fit into the history of shoes. So as we previously discussed, the earliest examples of footwear found were the sagebrush bark sandals that were found in the Fort Rock Cave in Oregon, as Nick has previously discussed. As civilizations began to develop, thong-like sandals were commonly worn. And these were mainly used, as one can imagine, in warmer climate areas, but not exclusively so. Ancient Egyptian murals dating back to 4000 BC show sandals being worn. Pharaohs and other high-ranking people even had their own sandal bearers. Made of palm leaves and papyrus, these sandals were worn occasionally, but evidence actually suggests that people generally preferred to go barefoot most of the time. Sandals also became prevalent in ancient Greek and Roman civilizations. Ancient Greeks had several varieties of sandals worn mostly by the elite classes of society, 
The Romans, on the other hand, had a more utilitarian outlook, as sandals were more broadly worn throughout all classes of society. Roman soldiers, for example, wore the caligae, which was a thick-soled, boot-like sandal with hobnailed soles, and these were used for marching, that all ranks would wear. In the warm Mediterranean climate, these open-toed footwear would have kept feet cool, instead of if they had worn closed-toed boots, for example. And as a further note, as far as sandals go within Roman society, we also start to see sandals and certain components of sandals being used to distinguish people from one another as far as social classes or their roles within Roman society. So specifically in Roman society, oftentimes you would see patricians and other people of high rank would wear red-dyed sandals. Oftentimes women would wear shoes that were green or sandals that were green, yellow, or white. Senators would wear brown sandals with black straps, while consuls would oftentimes wear white. And slaves and lower-class people would wear plain, undyed footwear, or as you can imagine, no footwear at all. And at one point in time, the famous Emperor Julius Caesar is said to have reserved the colors red and purple for the exclusive use of himself and his sons. Is a final note on sandals for our purposes in this show. The history of sandals is detailed and rich, and it could easily have its own episode, which we hope to do at some point down the road. Although today's show has primarily touched on the origins of sandals in parts of ancient Egypt and Europe, civilizations around the world, from Asia to Australia to the Americas, have their own fascinating histories and origins of sandals with different uses and materials used to make them. That is a wrap for the Origins of Shoes Part 1. Join us for Part 2 of our journey next time as we continue traveling through shoe history. Uh, We're going to tackle shoe wear, footwear from the Middle Ages up through modern times. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode of the Immortal Souls podcast. For more information, show notes, pictures, or just to say hi, check us out at immortalsoulspodcast.com, Instagram, or Twitter. Original theme music by Scott Spriggs. Five-star reviews are always helpful and hugely appreciated. Until next time, keep walking the roads less traveled.